Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or you know however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblinscrowlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at LuckCloakDM on Twitter and Discord. I'm Brandon Dingus at WaveBrandalore on Discord, because they forced me to change my username, so now that's what I am globally. Uh, and then also <laughs> Twitter, but I rarely use it. So find me on Discord or hit me up on Instagram where I'm also Wave Randalore. I was a little sad that they took away the discriminator number because <laughs> I had recently set mine as I was changing to be uh, Black Cloak DM. Mm-hmm. I had set my discriminator to be 1337. Uh-huh. I was very pleased with myself about this. Mm-hmm. And now it's gone. Well, I'm just Black Cloak DM. Well, you've heard it here first. Josh is pro discrimination. only in the mathematic sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember you telling me that that was a thing that was coming and i was like good lord if if i'm not able to claim the handle that i have everywhere else on everything i'm gonna be so upset (laughs) i won't lie i was a little nervous i wouldn't get black cloak dm because i can't imagine i'm the only one on discord who's ever thought of using that handle um, I do know <laughs> the GM for the Adventure Incorporated podcast, his Discord handle is A.G. Reed, mm-hmm. because those are his initials and last name. And uh, <laughs> he said he got the name. And then a week later, he got a, a friend request from another A. Reed, uh-huh. who I think was trying to uh, acquire his handle and he was like i don't think so i used to There's know some preserved i used to know a guy who um like i i asked him one time for his venmo so i could you know go in on a pizza or something like that and he's like oh and then it's like first name last name underscore two i'm like does somebody beat you to that one <laughs> like i feel like I feel like if that's the situation, if it's just like somebody else got it ahead of you and you have to be two, find another one. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I'd put myself as number two. Yeah. Online. Like Yeah, that's just that's a shame. That's a shame. Josh, you got a nice uh picture of uh, a giant leg behind you there for anybody is, not watching the video version of this. <laughs> it is a horse's leg. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like a grotesque autopsy photo <laughs> from the way we've got it cropped. <laughs> I I zoomed the crop out for people looking at the video so you can see it is in fact a horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's only a little troubling when we're zoomed in close on our faces. It's a horse? Of course. Of course. All right. What uh what are we talking about today? I know you've had kind of a wild week so we're sort of oh putting this together kind of quickly today because I, both of us have been sort of slammed by things 
Oh, my word. I will give folks the quick update that uh, I know I've mentioned in a couple of places. Alex and I are trying to find a place. Alex and I are trying to move all these things. We did finally put an offer in on a place. And as we were making our move out plans, we were like, hey, realtor of ours, uh, that rent back agreement. We know we asked for a month for sure. Is it possible to extend that by like three or four days? And he goes, I didn't get the rent back agreement in. And we're like, oh, no. What, what does that mean? And he said, that means you're moving out in three and a half days. And we're like, oh, no. Did All right, wait. So did your real estate agent, did they say, oh, I was aware of the rent back agreement, but I didn't file it? Or were they saying, what are you talking about, rent back agreement? Uh, they said, essentially, I recall us talking about this before. I did not remember to file it. That is... Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> there are lots of professional words I can use like negligence there. So, so, uh, I am very fond of our realtor to be clear. Mm -hmm. And I will say at the point that he was like, Oh no, I've screwed up and I've screwed up badly. What he did was he went out and hired movers. Mm -hmm. He rented a storage unit, a 15 by 20, I think it is mm -hmm. on Midlothian. Those are huge. I looked at one of those for our office one time. <laughs> yeah, they're not small storage units. Um, or maybe it's a 10 by 15. Regardless, he rented yeah. a storage unit large enough to fit the remainder of stuff in our apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he hired cleaners to come after the movers same day. Mm -hmm. And then he came out himself uh, in a T-shirt with gloves so that he could help the move happen, Here's including loading stuff into his own car. Mm -hmm. for us to get wherever we needed to get it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also uh, have an accepted offer on a house and you're just waiting to close on that, correct? That is correct. And uh, he managed to work in uh, part of closing costs being covered by the seller, among a couple of other things that Alex and I very much appreciate. Here's here's the real question. Um, and if there's, there's actually only one correct answer to this. Um, since you had to move all your stuff to a storage unit and he hired movers for you, I presume that he's hiring movers a second time to get it out of the storage unit and get to your house. I was not expecting that. If he does, it will be a pleasant surprise for me. We mm -hmm. were planning on hiring movers to get the stuff from the storage unit to the new place mm -hmm. in the same fashion that we were expecting to hire movers to move stuff from the first place to the second place. Mm -hmm. I think he should offer that. <laughs> we'll see. You we'll were, see. I, have, I have all's, no idea what it costs already. A lot of money. Um, all I'm saying, and I've talked to you about this privately before, is that not everybody has the situation where they had a place to land in that kind of foul up. Um, so I, you're lucky that you is, did. No, he's lucky that you did. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like we are very fortunate and I feel like it's less of a concern to me that this happened to us mm -hmm. uh, in part because I don't think it's a mistake he'll be making again at any point in the near future. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, might so, ask, I might ask you for your realtor's name so I can put it on a list for myself of people <laughs> never to call. A block list. Yes. Um, okay, so... That is that is the personal business. If I sound tired, that's what's going on. We moved an entire, well, not an entire. We'd already moved a bunch of stuff into storage for listing. 
-hmm. but we had to move the rest of our stuff in three and a half days. Uh, We had a bunch of friends come and help, which we really, really appreciate. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had other friends send us uh, DoorDash gift cards Mm -hmm. so that we could get ourselves something to keep our spirits up. Yeah. Thanks Um, for not asking me to come help. (laughs) We, We actually didn't ask anybody outright to come help. We had a bunch of people go, hey, I've got time. I know you're in a bind. If you need help, I'm here. And we took them up on it. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a very nice position to be in. It was very nice to feel uh, the warm and fuzzies from our friends coming and helping bail us out of this terrible situation. You know, I did offer you the use of my pickup truck, but I'm guessing that you, I'm guessing that you're like, well, we don't need his truck, so we don't need him. <laughs> uh, well, when you offered the use of your pickup truck, I did not in- assume. And I feel like I was correct in not assuming this, that that came with your uh, physical labor. Um, Yeah, if for no other reason, then I doubt any of you know how to drive a manual transmission. Mm, That's a fair point. Yeah, I I have driven stick a grand total of four times, and all of those were before the age of 20. Yeah, all all my vehicles for the last 15 years have been stick. I can respect it. And I'm fine. I'm, I'm finally learning not to grind the clutch. <laughs> it takes time. But uh, so, so that's the personal news. Uh, I spent the weekend basically just sleeping, sleeping <laughs> and playing video games. Uh, I feel moderately human once more. That's good. But in turn, Brandon and I basically, what, day before yesterday, we're like, we should find something to talk about. Well, I mean, part of you go to to yeah, yeah, because part of it is just the the reality of like Alon and Liz and Gabe and I are going to Philadelphia on Thursday because we're part of the indie showcase for Too Many Games, uh, which is apparently the largest video and board gaming convention in Pennsylvania. Uh, So we're very excited about that. But I was like, oh, so the new episode comes out on Monday, and so we have to do this on like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And I'm also trying to see if I can go to a movie tomorrow night. So <laughs> it, well, be, it needed to happen. The possibility, there was the possibility that kept floating and not floating of recording QPR stuff tomorrow night. So yeah, <laughs> which, was, is, which is now not hazy. happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get it situated. For, for anybody that doesn't keep up with that, it's, uh, you know, once a year, Gabe goes uh, off to camp for like six weeks because he's like a counselor at this youth camp. And we're essentially left to our own devices uh, and have to plan a lot of uh, extra content while he's gone to cover the gaps for it. Um, in past years, we've reduced the um, release schedule. Um, we've run like weird one-off stuff. And this year, we're just doing sort of a mishmash of things and trying to keep the release schedule standard. Because nothing's worse than like, Okay, well, here's two weeks of bonus content, and then we're going to have one week of the actual campaign, and then another week of bonus, and then another week of the campaign. Uh, I hate it as much as you do. So we're trying to make things a little (laughs) bit easier on people now. Yeah. 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 But believe it or not, it takes a lot of organization (laughs) to to plan stuff like this. It does. It takes so much organization and editing a regular episode of QPR is quite the undertaking. Yeah. And then I, oh. I also have to take a final exam tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. Oh. Technically, I have until like Saturday night to do it. But again, 
on Thursday morning, I'm leaving for Philadelphia. So I have to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. So it becomes available at so, six, six o'clock tomorrow morning. So <laughs> I'm probably going to start at around eight. Oh, my word. Yeah. So the first 11 minutes of this episode have been us talking about personal stuff. Let's talk about TTRPG stuff. Yeah, we should have Scott, I think. We should have Scott record something at, to stick at the beginning of this. It's like, if you don't give a shit about their personal lives, <laughs> skip the time code XYZ. <laughs> Just skip to this time and you'll be good to go for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about our personal lives is every episode's Russian yeah. arcade well, what people don't realize is Josh and I rarely get the chance to hang out. So this is a, this is us just catching up. <laughs> oh my word! It's it's sad because it's mostly true. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was actually I was actually talking to Alon yesterday, and <laughs> he was like, uh, I, I was talking about some various things about your your home search. He's like, "What are you talking about?" out of the loop on it i mean then you guys are you you guys are way closer than you and i are (laughs) i feel like it's just one of those things where everything developed over the course of like a week Mm -hmm. and so if you didn't talk to me during that week you don't know jack yeah Uh, it was funny because like Alon and I were like the only two people on the regular G&G business oh, meeting call. Oh, no. Did you forget about it completely? I completely forgot about it. Yeah. And it was I weird. Was, when, I, when I say I was having, I was just playing video games and sleeping, that's literally. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> so we ended up being able to have a nice targeted conversation, but it was odd because normally he's the one we're having to chase down. <laughs> So, but, but anyways, talking about TTRPG stuff. So, uh, we've got three things to talk about today. Uh, I think probably the best one to start with is the first one I suggested, which is that I saw finally the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> and, and again, for clarity, Josh the other day was like, Hey, I saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can, you know, I can watch that on Paramount Plus and we can talk about it. And then I just chose not to do it. Um, I was like, yeah, I can I mean, watch it. I've got 48 hours. I can watch it. I'm like, oh, man, this is two hours long. And then the way my, my mind was working, I was like, oh, you know, that's a shame because, like, you know, I really should give Chris Pine another chance. I actually think he's a pretty good actor. But, you know, the 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 J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies left sort of a bad taste in my mouth about J.J. Mm. Abrams' interpretation of Star Trek. So what I ended yeah. up doing instead was watching Star Trek Beyond. So it's not <laughs> it's not like those two hours of my life were super valuable. I just chose to spend them elsewhere. You know what? That's okay. Uh-huh. Um, having watched it, mm-hmm. I can say a few things. Uh, thing number one, I did enjoy their treatment of source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the story is an original one, or at the very least, if it's a module or something like that, I'm unfamiliar with it. Well, it's it's a module because they wrote the module to be based on the movie. Oh, well, that's different. I was talking about yeah. like predating the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed the source material. I enjoyed the like plot. I enjoyed the character interaction. They've got uh, Chris Pine being kind of a smarmy butthole. They've mm-hmm. got uh, Justice Smith has actually come a long ways in his acting, 
which I'm pleased to say I'm unfamiliar with this person. Uh, Will Smith's son. I thought his I thought his name was Jaden. Uh, Isn't it no, Jaden and Willow? Or do they have three kids? Do they have a third kid? I don't I know. You swear Justice Smith is Will Smith's son. You're gaslighting me. If I'm wrong about this, I'm going to be so upset. I'm not, you know what? I was going to start trying to look it up because mm-hmm. I've got IMDb open over here. Yeah. But, oh wait, hold on. There's an expand button. Mini bio. No, it's a different Smith. Yeah, I see nothing on on their Wikipedia <laughs> about <laughs> Will or Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm so confused. Well, you know what? Well, it's a Man, unique last this... name. I can understand you. I can understand you jumping <laughs> to that conclusion. There's so few Smiths in the world. That's the trouble. <laughs> I, you know what the real issue is? Is I had not heard another last name Smith uh, actor in some time. It was pretty mm-hmm. much just Will Smith and family. Okay. Oh, this is the guy from uh, Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Okay. And he did he did good work there. He did uh, I think quite good work here. Mm-hmm. Now you better but, Yeah, I mean you just better be careful. You know, you're talking about Will Smith's family. You never know what that <laughs> knock at your door is gonna be. <laughs> I didn't say anything bad about Will Smith or Will Smith's family. Um <laughs> You keep these allegations that I have a third kid out of your damn mouth. <laughs> no. No. Uh, so Justice Smith did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, good performer. Uh, Chris Pine did a great job. I, the one thing I thought was a little bit weird is that Chris Pine's clearly playing a bard, mm-hmm. but I see him use magic at any point in the movie. Oh, clearly he's just he, a beginning player. He just plays songs. Well, it's supposed to be a like mid-level adventuring party, like sixth or seventh. Well, uh, he based just, on things that are being done. Well, he just he made a choice. Then he was going to be more of a a persuasion role and combat bard. <laughs> There's a few points where he plays songs to like cheer people up, but at no point is he playing songs and like charming people or playing songs. Like I don't know. I mean, I he's, know. he's Chris Brown. He can deal. he can charm people just by looking at them. It's true. It's true. Uh, overall. Really enjoyed the film. Thought it was really well done. There was a lot to enjoy. It was kind of funny because we were watching it with Alex's parents. Mm-hmm. And Alex's parents know very little about D&D. Mm-hmm. And Alex and I would be like, oh, those are the arms of Hadar. Oh, that's Greater Illusion. Oh. <laughs> like This is like when I'm watching an episode of Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Because the showrunners for them are just such deep Trekkies these days and they put they put super deep cut easter eggs in there so after an episode my friend tony and i are both on discord like did you see this did you see that oh yeah i caught that uh-huh uh-huh so there was there was lots of that to catch uh and it seemed like for the most part things stayed within the rules i think the one that they definitely got the fuzziest with was wild shapes mm-hmm. i was like i don't know what level druid this is supposed to be but i'm pretty sure you don't get 15 wild shapes in one short rest 
Were they? Uh, that seems excessive. Were they below level for? Uh, were they below level for like flying or swimming? For their wild shape. Based on the rest of their activity, I would say yes. So clearly, uh, clearly, the one D and D wild shape rules have not reached them yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Such a concern. <laughs> Characters unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the enjoyment of cinema, I think it was, you know, it was fine. I, I, I was not against the wild shape rules being bent a little bit for the enjoyment of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's a it's it's a fun movie. I would say it would be well worth your time to spend the two hours to see it on Paramount Plus, Brandon. Brandon, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> if you don't already have a Paramount Plus subscription, I, I don't know that I'd recommend getting a Paramount Plus subscription just to see it. And I think renting it last I checked was still like 10 bucks. So like maybe if it's you and a group of friends are going to see it all at once, I think that'd be a lot of fun and worth mm-hmm. 10 bucks. But if it's just you, you could probably hold off for a little bit longer. No, I will say sign up for you. I think you can sign up for the 30 day free trial on Paramount plus and do that. I, I thought it was a two week free trial. Oh, uh, well it might be two weeks now. I don't remember just cause I've had it on auto pay for a long time, but, uh, Sign up for that, watch it, and then also watch season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds because season two just premiered uh, last Thursday, which will be two Thursdays ago when this episode is released. And I see, and you know, Michelle, I think it was a big missed opportunity with Michelle Rodriguez being in that film and with such a big D&D fan that Vin Diesel is that he didn't have a cameo where they get together and talk about family. <laughs> Maybe they tried to make that happen and they just couldn't get his schedule to work. I guess. I will say, I uh, I have rarely seen Michelle Rodriguez look so stacked because in in the movie she's a barbarian character, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you you believe that Michelle Rodriguez can pick a man up and throw her throw him over her shoulder. You know what I'd like to see now? Now that we talked about this, I want to see a. Um, a D and D movie with the cast of fast and the furious. So like, I mean, it sounds magical. Yeah. Like imagine what Ludacris and Tyrese could do. Like if they can fly a car into space in a racing movie, think what they could do in a D and D movie. <laughs> so would you rate it on a scale of uh, like, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think because I want to do something other than just comparing it to the movie that came out 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> speaking of Marlon, favorably, Wayans, yeah, very favorably, yeah. But on like a scale of like, what do you think? You're the all right. Let's say Return of the King is a 10, and um, you know, uh, maybe not D, maybe not D and D early 2000s, but uh, you know. All right, let's put D&D early 2000s at the number one slot on there. And then in the middle, <laughs> in the middle, you've got like Willow, uh, you've got Labyrinth, you've got Ladyhawk. Um, I feel like the Rankin like, Bass Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I feel like Willow deserves to be above like middle, like it should be high middle at the very least. Well, Willow could be um, like an eight. Yeah, 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 I think that's and, fair. And probably a two is going to be Masters of the Universe. With Dolph mm. Lundgren, <laughs> a movie that I love, but I'm also honest about it. <laughs> Four can be Conan the Barbarian. Yes, yeah, that that uh, is best in life. 
I think I would put it up uh, for overall quality and for me being able to be like, I think for like general audience, for whoever might come around and watch it, Mm -hmm. I think I feel comfortable putting it up near the quality of like Willow. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a movie that's going to change anyone's life. I don't think this is the movie that like people are going to be like, oh, I watch it literally every year and Mm -hmm. I cry every time I watch it. I don't think it's got quite that level of impact, but it's high quality. The production's good. The music's good. The acting's good. Mm -hmm. The cinematography's good. Like it's all, it's all good stuff. It all adds up to something nice. I think it's, it can't pull off return of the King quite because it's not willing to take the sorts of, I don't know. It, it feels like return of the King is something a little more impactful because it's got a little bit stronger of a message to put across mm-hmm. where this one is, is a fairly generic uh, father misleads daughter and feels bad about it. And then when he comes back, she doesn't believe in him. So he has to prove it. Like, that's kind of the the general vibe of the story, and so it's like, so it's not it's not going to develop a cult following. It's not bad. It's too good to d- be bad enough to develop a cult following, but it's also not good enough to be like Return of the King, where it's something that like people we know watch it every year. Yeah, I don't think it's an all time classic, but I would absolutely of high fantasy movies I've seen, it would easily fall within my top ten. Okay, all right, and of course the shame of all this is that uh, there's not going to be a sequel to it, I don't believe, because it had a budget of like $150 million, and it only made, I think, uh, $208 million at the box office. And, you know, the metric typically is that it has to make up, make double its budget to break even because of the marketing costs. So... Uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, other people have talked about this. I suspect they have, but I feel like part of your marketing campaign should not involve, uh, alienating your entire fan base about two months previous to your movie yeah. release. That was a, that was a real misfire there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still don't think that it would have gotten them to that $300 million mark. Um, which I, I which again, it's just breaking even. Because remember, like we live, we live in a society now where if a movie doesn't make like a billion dollars over the course of its run, it's considered, a, like, it's not considered a failure, but it's not considered it's, a huge success. It's not good enough for the stockholders, right? I right. so here's here's where I stand on that. Is I think a ton of people just in our circles, and the people in our circles don't tend to be the kind of like. Uh, banging swords on shields nerds that some folk do mm-hmm. uh, just in our group there was a lot of yeah I don't think I'm going to see the D&D movie because Watsi has spoiled that milk for me mm-hmm. and these are people who were very excited about it the first time they saw a trailer so I think if Wizards had not been like hey let's update the OGL <laughs> two months before our yeah. movie really I honestly, I think this would have been very different math, very different math. Yeah, I honestly think, too, that being under the umbrella of Dungeons and Dragons in the title hurts this film because there's still a lot of folks who are like, ah, that's just going to be like some nerdy thing that I don't want to see. I think 
I think it's, I think you can have sort of the same people who casually were interested in and would, and like to watch the Lord of the Rings on occasion who would see this and be like, ah, no, that's that nerdy game that my brother and his friends played, you know, 20 years ago. I think if it had, I think if it had been pitched as like a, like a fantasy movie first and Dungeons and Dragons second, it, you know, it, it may have done the same. It may have done worse, but I think, I think that would be a, risk worth taking from a production marketing standpoint because Dungeons and Dragons even today still conjures up a particular image when you say it and it's one that a lot of people think is dumb it's like if they if they made like and I you know I know jack about magic the gathering right but if it's like let, here here's here's a magic the gathering word that I know Innistrad if they if they said let's make an Innistrad movie it probably would make more sense to just be like, blah, Innistrad, rather than Magic the Gathering, colon, Innistrad, the movie, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And you could still have the, this movie was inspired by the role-playing, blah, 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 blah. And then all the, like, D&D super nerds are like, oh, yeah, I knew it. I knew they were casting Fireball and Wild Shape and the mm-hmm. Arms of Hadar. I knew it. I was aware all the time. Yeah, and it's... It, and you don't even really have to change anything about the film. You just have to change the title and, and the marketing for it. Um, I, I hubris is a strong word for this, but I wonder, I wonder if, you know, Wizards of the Coast was just like, we're bigger than we've ever been. So this is going to be like, you know, Hasbro was like, let's do it. Like, it's never going to get better than this. This is the iron being hot. Let's make it happen. And then it was sort of the, the twin issues of, like you said, they completely bent themselves over uh, with that whole OGL thing at the beginning of the year, it completely undercutting the narrative lead in the final two two months before the movie comes out, and then also just like Dungeons and Dragons, maybe they they I think they overestimated the amount of support, the amount of audience that just that name would get them. Because I mean, like, I'm probably a prime example of that too, right? It's like, oh, it's the D and D movie. Like, by any reasonable metric, I should have gone to see that movie in the theater, right? I can't even be bothered with 48 hours notice to watch it on a streaming service in my home. <laughs> um, and you know, if I'm honest, some of that does have to do with uh, Watsy and the OGL stuff, and just generally the way Watsy's comported themselves over the last two, three years. Yeah, um, it's kind of obnoxious. I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm high-minded enough that that's what. That's why I didn't go see it because that would be me lying to myself, to you, and to everybody listening to this. But you know, it's certainly something I thought about. Like I'm not going into it like well, I don't want to give them any of my damn money uh, because, like, you know, you're giving them money. Uh, if if you're you know subscribed to Paramount Plus to watch it, you know, so I don't know. It definitely did better than the first Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, but this probably means that we're looking at maybe ten years before we see another one. I think time mm-hmm. time moves a lot faster now than it used to, so I don't think we're going to see a twenty year gap in this. Um, you know, it 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 might be smart. It might be smart for them for like, uh, well, let me think like, you know, something like 
critical role, right? Like the, the television series for that, the animated series for that, pretty popular, pretty successful. I think that might be a way that they should go to sort of push this kind of thing out into sort, sort of more mainstream media. Um, it's hampered, I think, by being on Amazon Prime. But, uh, you know, I think they could make a theatrical film, animated film out of that, release it, and it would do pretty well. Uh, like it would be sort of like just maybe like a level under Rick and Morty in terms of the kind of adult uh, appeal there. We're well outside the scope of conversation right now. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, thoughts are coming into my head and leaving my mouth at the exact same time. So anyway, I understand. Yeah. I understand completely. I, long story short, I enjoyed the film. If you like high fantasy movies, whether or not you are uh, keen on the concept of Dungeons and Dragons, it's a good high fantasy movie. Uh, it's nothing I think that's going to be a timeless classic, mm-hmm. but it is something that I think is fun enough to sit the family down and watch it as a group and have a good time with it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the uh, it, uh, the year two, it came out. The first one came out December eighth, two thousand. So it is. Uh, almost 23 years old. Um, to put the budget in context for that, um, the budget for that movie was 45 million. You can do your own inflation adjustment for it because you'll see why that doesn't matter in a minute. And the box office for it was 33.8 million. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah, so it lost like 11, 12 million dollars, um, which, you know, the, the inflation percentage does not matter since it was a loss. <laughs> I mean, $12 million in 2000 is uh, it's a mm-hmm. hefty chunk of change. Yeah. And I'm looking at the cast list for it, and I don't know who many of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, clearly they went on to have really, really powerful yeah. careers that you just don't follow. Yeah. there's I mean, there's Tom Baker. There's Jeremy Irons. There's Marlon Wayans. And Justin Whalen, who was the lead in it, I remember his face. Um but I could not tell you a thing that he was in as an actor. I feel like I've seen him in other things. I just can't think of what. Oh, okay. He was uh, Jimmy Olsen in uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman back in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. That's what I know him from. (laughs) Uh, He quit acting in 2009. That's why, according to Wikipedia. So that's why. He's now working as a social studies drama teacher at uh, the Learning Castle in L.A. Well, that's that's nice that he got to continue, you know, using his acting skills for the for the good of others. Yeah. Oh, and he was in Mr. Belvedere in 1989. He was in he was in Charles in Charge as well, which uh, gives him a connection to Bible Man. uh, (laughs) Because that actor who was the voice of the Ranger in the D&D animated series we learned was also a regular on Charles in Charge. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I don't know how long we're going to keep going back to Bible man. I don't know if this mm. is one of those, we're going to have to watch a few episodes yeah. and then talk about Bible man as an item on GGP yeah. in order to get it out of our systems. Yeah, I know. I don't, I, I don't know what the cure is, but we'll have to find it at some point. Yeah. It is amazing um, how we keep coming back to it. I'm putting an embargo on all Bible man related content on this podcast <laughs> for at least a period of 12 months. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> Do you think we can uphold that? 
Well, I think if we can make it through the next three days without it coming back, then we'll be okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll make it. Yeah. Uh, so other, other news items. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's talk about, <laughs> we spent uh, so much time on that. <laughs> Listen, we have opinions. That's why we do this show. In it's, my case, uninformed opinions, opinions about the d d movie. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, about, we're podcasters. Uninformed opinions are are our bread and butter. <laughs> At least we're honest about our uninformed opinions. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that news that came out regarding new TSR filing. Was it Chapter Seven bankruptcy? Yeah, it was Chapter Seven bankruptcy, which is the bankruptcy. There's Chapter Eleven. There's Chapter Thirteen, Chapter Eleven, and Chapter Seven. Chapter. Seven is uh, shutdown and liquidation. Chapter 11 is reorganization. Most of the time when you hear that a business, especially a large business, has filed bankruptcy, typically they're filing Chapter 11, which puts a pause on creditor collections to let them sort of reorganize everything. And many businesses successfully emerge from bankruptcy and go on to be successful. And then Chapter 13 is essentially like the, the personal equivalent of Chapter 11. So, like, if you're just a person filing bankruptcy, but yes, they filed Chapter Seven. If you're if you're a person restructuring your organization, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, listen, I've decided I should not be in charge of my finances, which is why I'm bringing in my mother. Yeah, unfortunately, in Chapter Thirteen, you still have to be responsible for your finances. You're Dang just it. yeah. Um, it's the first step toward being responsible for your finances. And it only so, it only affects your ability to purchase a house for two to four years, depending on the type of loan you get. Hash, so, hashtag mortgage loan originator. <laughs> <laughs> so Brandon and I started talking about uh, new TSR full, uh, filing Chapter Seven bankruptcy, which is the kind of bankruptcy you liquidate from, as Brandon just said. And something that Brandon had been completely unaware of, but I learned because I spend too much time on the internet, is that. One of the owners of New TSR, Justin Lanasa, owns a, a chain of tattoo parlors in North Carolina. Huh. And unfortunately, uh, Brandon pointed out he was like, it's, you know, New TSR is probably an LLC, which means his other assets are probably protected. Uh, but there is a non zero chance that because of the ongoing lawsuit proceedings, with Wizards of the Coast, which are currently on hold because of the Chapter 7 bankruptcy proceedings. Mm-hmm. There is a, a non-zero chance that some judge somewhere says, you know what? No, you do in fact still owe Wizards of the Coast money in spite of your Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And we're going to have to collect that through material assets. And Wizards of the Coast ends up owning a tattoo parlor in Wilmington, North Carolina. Perhaps a chain of tattoo parlors. <laughs> Um, just for, for anybody who might be unfamiliar, because this does sort of walk the line for inside baseball in tabletop stuff, uh, give, give them sort of the, uh, executive summary of what's going on here. So, uh, and we've uh, talked about this on the podcast before, so you've already heard. Yeah. And I will say, um, if you subscribe to the Goblins and Growlers Gazette, our monthly newsy newsletter, uh, the, uh, issue that was just distributed Today, June 20th, uh, has uh, a news item in it about all this with links to various things like 
the uh, a timeline of the entire new TSR saga. Um, I think I think that I uh, found on EN World or Dicebreaker or something like that. So, Josh, since I know you subscribe, you can uh, you can just go to your uh, your email and get that. <laughs> I I'm not going to go to my email and get that. Uh, I thought I subscribed. Did I subscribe? I don't, Brandon. I don't know anything anymore. Uh-huh. The last week has burned all knowledge from my <laughs> database. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm like a starship that has had its uh, ion cannons reversed too many times. Mm-hmm. Too many times. Yeah. Well, no worries because uh, I can I can help you out here. Um, um, what I can say as a brief executive summary. We have talked about new TSR on the podcast before. I am not going to recant exactly what is inside uh, their version of what is it? It's Star Frontiers. Yeah, Star- just suffice it to say, it's racist and transphobic stuff. It's so so bad. It's so bad, you guys. Uh, like they, if if anybody they, if anybody listened to this has ever read maybe an anthropological textbook from sometime before 1974 uh expect the same kind of terminology to show up uh in star frontiers yeah and also expect a lot of like yeah people who are norse with like blonde hair and blue eyes they're gonna be the best people obviously Mm -hmm. it's like no no not like this y'all no uh so that is that is the general vibe of the sort of stuff they were putting out they were trying to claim that Wizards of the Coast had abandoned a bunch of IP and Wizards of the Coast had not at all abandoned any of that IP. Because they were still selling it like on, they were still selling it on online in PDF form, right? Yeah. 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 And on top of that, they were, even if they hadn't been selling those copies online, the, uh, the way the cop, no. Is the copyright or the trademark? I always get these backwards. I think it's the copyright. The way it worked is they still had time to do something more substantial with it. Um, new TSR really just wanted existing IP to play with. And so they decided to grab some and start playing with it. And then Wizards was like, you need to stop. And new TSR was like, make us. And new uh, Wizards of the Coast's lawyers were like, okay. Uh, that lawsuit didn't fully get off the ground before this Chapter 7 bankruptcy filing. So those proceedings are on pause yeah. until after the bankruptcy, which I presume if they liquidate the entire company and mm-hmm. vanish into the night, uh, Wizards of the Coast does not pursue them at that point, provided that means they stop trying to produce Wizards of the Coast IP. Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like the the only outcome of a successful Chapter Seven bankruptcy filing is the dissolution of the company and the liquidation of its assets. And as we saw, right. as we saw in the bankruptcy filing, they have uh, a total asset. They have total assets of like six hundred and twenty one dollars and some change, versus a total liability of like almost four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, which is there's there's no coming back from that now. What I think you're talking about is the possibility that um, Ernie Gygax and Justin Lanasa, um, you know, because they were doing business as like Dungeon Hobby Shop uh, LLC, um, just incorporate a new company and try this all over again. Um, because yes. because 
okay, that company was bankrupt, like uh, obligatory. I am not a lawyer, but, um, as I understand it, you know, because the debts were against the LLC. And as long as they are not going after personal assets to help satisfy any of this, they can just spin up another LLC and just get right to it. Um, which wouldn't surprise me if, if they did, because I feel like Ernie Gygax is like, well, my last name is Gygax, so we can just start this again, which would be like for a third time at this point. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm looking at the timeline that I found and, uh, you know, them doing Star Frontier's New Genesis, which was the, one that they were trying to publish. Um, uh, a guy named Michael Hovermail was hired as their like PR person and worked there for like six months. And then on January of last year, he claimed that the first edition of their Star Frontiers New Genesis was released and has sold out and said, quote, it was a very small limited run released and sold on the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum website. It's no longer available and probably won't be reprinted. And then after that, the person putting the timeline together says, as yet, nobody has publicly revealed that they bought a copy. So most likely, they just manufactured this idea that it was sold uh, at all. You know, they might have, I mean, that that might be where the $621 came from. (laughs) I was going to say, maybe they printed five copies and Mm -hmm. sold them to the principals in the business. Yeah. Well, three days... (laughs) Three days after Hovermail made that announcement, uh, he resigned as the chief creative officer and uh, PR officer uh, of uh, what 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 they're calling TSR three, because there have actually been two new TSRs, and it's very complicated, and I don't want to get into it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, Wizards of the Coast legal proceedings are on the fact that Justin Lanasa and Ernie Gygax think they have any rights to Star Frontiers. Mm -hmm. If they dissolve this business, but try to maintain that they do in fact still have rights to Star Frontiers, then Wizards of the Coast's lawsuit goes forward. So the smartest thing they could do right now is dissolve their business and vanish into the night. But I think we have seen time and time again Neither of these individuals is particularly interested in doing the smartest possible thing. They are more interested in trying to make a point and uh, showing woke folks that they don't know what they're talking about or something. I don't know. They're trying to stick it to the lefties. I, I don't, whatever. I don't even think it's a stick it to the lefties kind of thing. I think it is they fundamentally see this hobby as something different and they want to be able to express the way they see it and if that pisses off the left then that's great um i think i don't think that i don't think they're doing it out of spite i think they're just doing it and they love the fact that it's spiting people which is maybe a distinction without a difference I got the distinct impression from some of their posts, comments, things like that, that uh, they didn't care for this new, like, inclusive language inside of tabletop RPGs and things like that. And they wanted to go back to the old days when orcs were evil and drow were evil. And (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about the same thing. Like, I don't disagree with any of that. I just... I don't think they're approaching it from a mentality of, well, you know what? We're going to put this out just to spite them. I think they're just like, this is how we think the game should be. 
because this is how we enjoyed it. Maybe Lanasa, because like I think we've left out that he was like a failed Republican um, uh, candidate for uh, at least one office. So you know, yeah, I'm painting with a broad brush. You know, what are you what are you gonna do? Um, but you know, maybe he feels that way. But it just doesn't make any sense to operate like if they're operating from spite. None of this makes sense because like you don't spite your way into a four hundred thousand dollar debt that you have to, you know, file chapter seven on. If the assumption was that they would create enough heat and anger uh, that they would get a bunch of like GOP support and then a bunch of people would flock to their aid. I mean, there's a lot of really terrible, terrible Republican products out there that get a lot of support just for being Republican based products. Yeah, but also like this, this is so, this is a niche within a niche within a niche. <laughs> you know, it's a tabletop, yes. role, it's a tabletop role playing game. It's a tabletop role playing game that's not D and D that's set in space. It's a tabletop role playing game that's not D and D that's set in space that is being, uh, printed and distributed by a couple of very conservative people with very narrow social views, right? You have to go down so many layers on that. <laughs> and, you know, they say they say there's riches in the niches. But I I think I think this demonstrates that there's always an exception to that. I think I think if you're looking for the riches in the niches, you need to also be comfortable with the concept that your audience could and should be anyone and not a specific subset of folks such as Grognards. Yeah, this is this is an example of niches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, precisely. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I don't know that I want to keep deliberating new TSR because they like they spike my blood pressure so bad. Yeah, they're bad folks with bad opinions. Um, they made bad business decisions. Yeah, to file bad bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, very bad bankruptcy. <laughs> This would be a whole different discussion if they were filing chapter 11. Um, like there would, there would be a lot to chew on there if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's still, I would say a little bit to chew on there because just because they're filing chapter seven doesn't mean they're making good choices. No, I part can, of that. I can almost guarantee you that they're not making good choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. You want to move on to the next thing? Yeah, let's let's turn to our final item of the week, which is uh, a little a little something that turned into a bit of a flurry at the very least on Twitter. It was very um, weird. It was very weird. <laughs> it I think part of the confusion Brandon and I experienced was that we followed the person who was kind of like live reporting on the situation and they kept saying Facebook and either the person they were talking about put it up and then took it down or they never meant Facebook in the first place. And they just meant Kickstarter updates. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, Oh God. Oh no, I got rid of the Twitter thread. It was sprinting <laughs> owl designs. Yeah. It was sprinting yes, owl designs. I recall it. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, send it to you over discord. <laughs> sprinting owl designs. I closed to discord. Your discord will do me no good. I'll send it to uh, you in private chat. <laughs> Sprinting Owl Designs uh, posted a Twitter thread talking about how a designer that they've worked with before, being uh, the Polyhedral Knights, was receiving a C and D 
from Renegade Game Studios, the company behind such titles as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game, G.I. Joe. Uh, aren't Tran- they doing Transformers, My Little Pony? Transformers, My Little Pony. I was going to say My Little Pony. I'd forgotten about Transformers briefly. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who've been doing all of those titles. Um, they sent a CND to uh, Polyhedral Knights because Polyhedral Knights had a Kickstarter running for their game, Renegade City. And I could see a certain uh, Rockstar Studios being like, hey, hey. Yeah, think but I don't think Renegade Game Studios has yeah. a leg to stand on with that. Well, let's talk about Renegade City for for yeah. a second. So Renegade yeah, yeah, yeah. City, Renegade City is the the product that precipitated this whole thing. And Polyhedral Knights, very small game design publishing studio, um, they've got a handful of games out. They did a Kickstarter for this game called Renegade City. It was a very small Kickstarter. It's it it finished up like a few days, I think, before we recorded this. But it had 61 backers and raised about $3,700. Um, so it was a very, very small scale kind of thing. What I'm, what I'm imagining is it's really just a book that they're, that they're printing. Um, no extra stuff. But the long and short of it is it, uh, it's called a, a modern day anti-hero criminal role playing game, you know, tabletop RPG. So it's basically GTA as a TTRPG, right? Um, the art style looks, the art style that they're using on the Kickstarter, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes and everything, looks exactly like sort of the cell shaded art that you would see on the loading screens uh, on like every GTA that's come out in the last 20 years. Um, it, it, it's interesting. Um, the, I'm the in font they chose. Well, the is f- a very similar font. No, I mean, it's not a similar font. It is the, it is the font for Grand Theft Auto. Is uh, it? I yes. didn't. I didn't know it was exactly the same. No, it's, I knew it was. It's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. And fun fact. Um. And we'll get into this. Well, I'll just go ahead and get into it now. You know. Um. One of the one of the things that it sounds like that Renegade Game Studios was trying to say to Polyhedral Knights about Renegade City when they sent the C and D is like, oh, you know, Rockstar might be mad at you for for how much this looks like GTA which is weird because they didn't really have standing to say that. But also a fun little bit of trivia there is, uh, you know, Bob Barker might as well have sent them a C&D because Rockstar used the same font as the Price is Right font for GTA. That's amazing. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, look up look up Price is Right font and compare that to Grand Theft Auto. It's the it's the same. It's li- It's literally the same font. In this thrilling bit of audio, Josh Googles uh, images of the Price is Right logo. <laughs> oh my God, it is. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, you know, the thing about Renegade City is it, se- it seems like the mechanics of it are very different too, because it's not a dice-based RPG. It's domino-based, which was enough to interest me because I'm also working on sort of like a domino-based game. Um, so I was really interested in learning a little bit about this. So I'm kind of glad this happened because it brought it to my attention and I've sent them an email seeing if I could find out some information and get like a review copy of it. But, um, if I'm renegade game studios, well, no, let me not, let me not say that if I'm an observer here, if I'm an objective observer looking at this from a thousand feet, I don't understand how renegade game studios is like, well, they're using the word renegade. Uh, in a single product that they're releasing, 
Whereas we, Renegade Game Studios, have not released a single product called Renegade. Um, we are, in fact, making most of our money off of license titles like Vampire the Masquerade, Transformers, Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, etc. And, you know, they say that in terms of like protecting IP, you have to be really overzealous about it. You have to send these C&Ds. It's like your legal responsibility, because if you can't demonstrate that you've been actively trying to protect your trademark, that is ammunition later if somebody says you've abandoned it. So on one hand, I can see why they sent this out there. But on another hand, it also doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, this is probably a question for noted Dungeons and Dragons lawyer, uh, Noah Downs. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's really weird because they, um, they, they finally, after all this came out, um, it was just kind of a question for a couple days. And now if you go to the, um, Renegade City page on Polyhedral Knight's website. There's a line at the top that says, this game is not affiliated in any way with, sponsored by, or connected to Renegade Game Studios, LLC, which obviously was just put in there in the last little bit. And if you go to the updates on the Kickstarter, it actually talks about it a little bit. Um, because where uh, Sprinting Owl Design was like, oh yeah, they put this on their Facebook. Like we looked on their Facebook, it's not there. It's in the updates section of their Kickstarter. So I don't know where all that came from. Um, but it says, uh, this was from today, actually, June 20th. And it says, in order to keep the Renegade City name and not go through an unnecessary, an unnecessary legal battle, which me, not as a lawyer, think you would win. Uh, we agreed to post this. Uh, we agreed to post this on our page here and on our homepage. I'll also be adding it to our published book, the following statement. And then it says, you know, this game is not affiliated in any way, blah, 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 blah. And then it says, uh, thanks again for everybody's support. Now let's get this awesome game finished and in your hands. Um, but, it, you know, going through the Sprinting Owl thing, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so crazy. It's just so crazy to listen to this, to read this update. It's like I talked to the lawyers uh, representing, and this is from, uh, I guess, the owner of um, Polyhedral Knights. It's like, hey, everyone, good news. I talked to the lawyers representing Renegade Game Studios. There seems to be a misunderstanding. And once we talked, we both saw each other's side on a few points. I gave them some assurances that I wasn't trying to poach business from them and that we're not looking to get in any trouble for us having similar art to another IP, which he's referring to Grand Theft Auto there. Once we pointed out that we share an art style, which can't be copyrighted or trademarked, and a similar publicly commercial font with a certain IP, which is the GTA slash Price is Right font, uh, and that's all. They seemed a little bit more at ease. Turns out they will be uh, okay with us using the Renegade City for this game name. So please go easy on these guys. They didn't know and are better informed. And I think that right there is sort of key because everything I've looked at as we've been talking about this over the last day or two, it just seems that it was almost sort of a reflexive C&D sent out by Renegade Game Studios rather than anything with any like thought. Because I think a lot of these C&Ds go out just at the drop of a hat. And most people are like, oh, shit, I got a and I better stop doing this. And it's a really sort of like low cost way for folks to defend their IP. Um, so honestly, probably the lawyers for Renegade, the lawyer for Renegade Game Studio, because um, <laughs> I don't think they have a team. I'm willing to be proven wrong on that. Well, well this person did say lawyers uh, representing Renegade Game Studios. Mm, I don't know. It could it could very well be uh, like Alan and Alan and the second Alan is a sock puppet. I don't know, but like... Keep in mind that Alan and Alan in, in Richmond, there's like 50 Alans. 
<laughs> on that sign. I think it's Alan, 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 and Alan. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's it. I just, I just like how how um, Polyhedral Knights sort of gets this dig in there of like, hey, you know, go easy on them. They didn't know any better. Like, oh, they're just our dumb cousin. You know, they're from <laughs> they're from the country. They don't know our city ways. Um, and <laughs> like, and then he ends with. We're all brothers and sisters in the gaming world. We need to play nice on the playground. Thanks again for everyone's support. That means a lot to me. And then it just goes into more uh, commentary from Sprinting Owl. Like, I'm not sure what conclusions to reach from this. And like, it feels like it feels like they maybe got skittish over the negative buzz. I don't understand what would have been Renegade Game Studios' problem if Rockstar had taken issue with Polyhedral Knight's game and why they felt the need to intervene on those grounds. Unless it possibly now this is this is interesting. Unless it possibly means that uh, Renegade Game Studios is working on a GTA licensed RPG, um, although that feels so far in the realm of speculation that it's a dot on the horizon. Now I think that's giving Renegade way too much credit. I think if they were work, I think if they were working on a GTA RPG, we would know it now. Yeah, we would we would be conscious of it, and it, they'd probably have it officially licensed. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of their thing. It's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just it just feels to me like a reflexive, uninformed CMD that didn't really understand the nuances of everything. Um, so I I don't know. It's really weird. Um, you know, look, I I had never heard of Polyhedral Knights before, um, but I went to uh, their website. Um, they've got Renegade City on there. They've got a handful of games, Pirates of a Shattered World, Wasteland Sagas, Dark Times, etc. Um, it's I'll, I'll definitely poke around with it. Um, it's The site is copyright somebody named John Barfield. I'm presuming that they are the owner and or leader of the situation. Um, but, you know, I'm interested to, I'm interested to see what this game is like because um, it looks like they're not necessarily like new kids on the block in terms of publishing and stuff like that. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at some of the uh, books they released and I see several other commercially available fonts that I have used in some of our publications. (laughs) Um, So hopefully we don't get a C and D from them (laughs) for anything. Um, But yeah, this was just this was really weird. It was really sort of a tempest in a teapot sort of situation, but it was just funny enough, and there was just enough that like didn't connect that we were like, "Does this make any sense to you?" Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, and at the point that you and I were looking at it, it was before the resolution, so it was like, "Yeah, what does Renegade Game Studios think they're doing exactly?" Especially since at the time this person, like at the time that this guy received the C and D their Kickstarter was less than 12 hours from completion. Mm -hmm. And they funded because their goal was 3000. They got 3,700. They were, they were ready to start like working on production and everything like that. And then they get this C and D and it's like, well, shoot. I actually, that actually happened to uh, a product I backed on Kickstarter, you know, five or six years ago. It was a, it was a really simple little combat card game uh, that was originally called skirmish. Um, and they got hit with a C and D from somebody who had created another card game called skirmish. So, no, so they had to change it. Uh, they ended up changing it to skirmish, 
which, <laughs> which like by pure coincidence happened to also be like an old English word for a battle or something like that. Hell yeah. So the, the guy was like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're just going to do this. Like it's close. And also it has the added benefit of also being accurate. Uh, but <laughs> it felt like that was very secondary to, uh, to what they were going for. I love it when these things work out. But, you know, talking a little bit more about Renegade Game Studios, like uh, some of you may remember my less than charitable review uh, from about almost a year and a half ago at this point on the core rulebook for the Power Rangers game. And the history there was like it was pitched up until like four months before it came out as uh, a fully 5e system. And then it came out and they changed. It was not a 5e system. It looked like a system that they put together in four months uh, for reasons I do not understand. Uh, and I was really disappointed, not necessarily with the mechanics of the system, but it didn't give me what I wanted from a Power Rangers RPG. Like I wanted to be able to create my own powers, create my own zords and that kind of thing. And it also did the the old Pathfinder way of doing things where they would release they were releasing essentially multiple books to get all the character classes, uh, which really frustrates me. And so I sort of put it in a box in my head and hadn't worried about it for a long time. Uh, and then while we were researching this, I went back and looked and they've released uh, one more or actually they're getting ready to release uh, another Power Rangers supplement book called Across the Stars that looks like, it, you know, I'm looking at the cover of it. It deals with, uh, you know, Power Rangers in space. I see Trekina on the cover from Lost Galaxy. I see the Gold Ranger. I see one of the Psycho Rangers, SPD and an Omega Ranger and stuff. So they're getting into and then it's got three more character classes in it. So that looks interesting. And then that's coming out in July. And then they've got um, Power Rangers, uh, a jump through time, which doesn't even have cover art yet, but they've got a listing for it. And it is dealing with uh, stuff like um, Time Force and RPM. Um, but that's coming out in November. So it sounds like they're chugging along with that. It might be time for me to take another look at some of this stuff and maybe get another source book and take a look at it. And then there's also like the Angel Grove adventure book that came out like right after. But my experience with that Power Rangers core rule book was what sort of soured me on checking out the G.I. Joe and the Transformers books because um, every, like I think there were stories that it was all going to be working with the same system and I just wasn't in love with the system. But Maybe if I go back and check it out now, there's like more options to play with there and you can maybe cobble together something that would work sort of more how I wanted it to work. I remember your opinion being fairly distinctly. It feels like you tried to break away from 5e without letting go of 5e. Yeah. Which is frustrating in any system where it's like, oh yeah, we decided we started out 5e, but we decided to do our own thing. And it's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You maintained 80% of 5e. You you did the, uh, can I borrow your homework? Sure, but make sure it looks different. Of, yeah. Like TTRPG design. <laughs> yeah, like let's make it harder. Let's make it harder on people to adopt this, you know? And, you know, I know I, uh, I know I, there's, you know, rightful shit to give wizards uh, about the way they do things. But like at the end of the day, like if you want a system that's accessible, to people, 5e compatible is probably the the path of least resistance for you there. Especially if it's Hasbro products. That's the thing that I don't understand. Like I don't understand that at all. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like you're breaking away from Hasbro. So why would you be like, oh, we've got to change it? If you were to say, 
it's not it's not suiting what we need it to to make everything work. So mm-hmm. we have to do our own system, as it turns out. That would make some sense, and that's what they said on the cover. But it doesn't but, play out that way. No, it's still it's still too much five E to be anything but five E. Yeah, with adjustments. And like if they really wanted to make it simple, they would have done something with like more probably more akin to like PBTA and had it as like a D6 system. And then for your um, archetypes, that's your different ranger colors for it. Yeah. And it would be yeah. also, and it would also be more versatile to be able to build your own archetypes easily and probably do the same thing with Zords in that respect. Like you just have yeah. to build a template for it. So yeah, it, it's, it's it, to this day, that still confuses me. I would love <laughs> to talk to somebody who can explain why that was done that way. Like the real reason and not the bullshit reason that they published. <laughs> Going back to Polyhedral Knights, we did look at a little bit of the game basics for Renegade City, mm-hmm. and the way it uses dominoes is kind of fascinating because it's a your skill is a meet or below, and as long as you can pull a domino that's got meet or below, uh, you get success. If you get a domino that's got doubles on it and you get a success, you get a little bit of a, like an extra effect on that success. And then if you get a blank tile, that's a critical success. It's as successful as you can be with as good of additional effects as you can get. And so it's, you know, it's kind of a neat little system for handling that sort of stuff without having dice on hand. I think the one thing Brandon pointed out that I hadn't really thought about was that they have their, their set of dominoes is the boneyard. And it's unclear looking at that basic set of rules that we saw whether or not the boneyard is shared by all players or if everybody's got their own. Yeah, because a standard set of six, six dominoes has 28 tiles, you know, and if you've got like six people playing, um, that's a lot. And just the reason I bring that up is because one of the things on the Polyhedral Knights website that they say is like they're committed to building like simpler, more accessible games. And it's sort of the same philosophy I have of like trying to focus on things that people already have, like D6s or playing cards or dominoes or something like that for, for your, your um, game accessories. So just the idea that they would require people to have like a ton of sets of dominoes. Now, granted, I was just at Walgreens today and you can get a set of six, six dominoes for like $9. Uh, so I was yeah. literally just trying to look up what would it cost me to buy some dominoes and or even like, oh, you want to put a you want to put a six six set of dominoes in a really nice backgammon type case, mm-hmm. then it'll be ninety bucks. And I'm like, that seems excessive. But then there's then there's like a wooden case with fairly standard dominoes. It's like twenty five bucks. I'm yeah, like, oh. I bought uh, I bought a set of eighteen eighteens so I could do some sort of like prototyping and experimentation, and it was like. $20 and it came in a little case that snaps shut. Um, yeah. but there's friggin' tons of them though. <laughs> Cause like dominoes increase like exponentially the further up you go. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. But yeah, I, you know, I, I reached out to, um, polyhedral Knights today to, uh, ask them if we could get like a review copy of renegade city. Really. I just want to kind of check out what the domino mechanics are like, um, and see how that plays. Uh, but uh, if they get back to us and they're willing to throw us PDF to talk about, um, we'll certainly talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, unless we unless we just some, discover something terrible about them, <laughs> in which case we won't. 
It turns out that Renegade City is being published by terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Terrible people that have done terrible things. Now, having said that, if we end up actually never doing a review of anything they've ever done, <laughs> do not take that to automatically mean we discovered they were terrible look, people. Look, the, the sheer fact of the matter is that if we don't hear from them, we don't hear from them. If we find out they're terrible people, we will be announcing that on the podcast yeah. because we've spent a lot of time in this episode talking about yeah. their product. Yeah. And in theory getting folks interested in looking at their product. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, you know, we talked about Longshot City, like, uh, last episode very briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I reached out to them, to Melsonian Arts Council, and I was like, yo, can we get a PDF to review? And uh, they responded fairly immediately and were like, yes, give us your email address. And then I never got it. I sent it to them, and then I never got an email from them. And then I followed up about six days later and said, hey, did this message get lost or are you just not going to do it? It's fine either way. I just don't want to look for something that's not going to happen. And then I didn't get any response to that. So I don't think that's happening. Um, but their Kickstarter did huh. just, their Kickstarter did just go live like yesterday. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're busy. Maybe, I don't know. I'll tell you, it's really busy. I'll tell you one thing I asked for a, a review copy of, and we got um, the adventurer's guide to the Bible, the five E compatible setting for it. Because I, I had heard all kinds of different stuff on both ends of the spectrum about it. So I wanted to check it out for myself, reached out to them. They were like, absolutely. Like the person, the main person behind it, like teaches theology at a university or something like that. And uh, they That's sent me pretty cool. Yeah, they sent me a PDF version of it. And then the other day, I got a shipping notification in my email from DriveThruRPG. And I was like, what the hell is this? I've not I've not bought anything from DriveThruRPG. And, it, <laughs> and they're, they're sending me a physical copy of it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll talk about that once I get it and have a chance to take a look at it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So are we ready to wrap up? Yeah, I think I think we're beyond ready to wrap up. This actually ran longer than I thought it would. I was yeah, like, I know. You were like, like a solid like 30 or 40 minutes. I knew I knew you were being unrealistic when you said that. Uh, 30 minutes later. Yeah. Um all the usual stuff, uh, you know, the best way to support us is to uh, give us five-star reviews and telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast because word of mouth uh, is very useful because you're vouching for us and we appreciate it. We try not to be bad folks. Uh, so as long as you don't think we're bad folks, tell your friends that we're not bad folks and that they should listen to us. You, our supporters, are our most powerful advertising platform we could ever sponsor. As Captain Planet says, the power is yours. Um, by the time you hear this, I'll already be back from too many games, but we're debuting a couple of cool things up there um, that will be up on the Goblins and Growlers Big Cartel store, hopefully in the next couple months. Um, look for some, hopefully, biggish news related to some of that stuff uh, before the end of the year. Uh, that I don't want to get into now, uh, but people are free to read between lines if they want to. And uh, also, uh, an old favorite has returned to the online store. We've got our custom character sheets uh, that are uh, done for the 12 core classes in 5e. They're all hand-drawn by uh, our wonderful artist friend, Liz, the Artificer, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and there will be a link in the description to her Instagram and also to the store. And for those of you watching on video right now, go to that link that's right there on the screen. Um, so there's that. Uh, we've also, I've, 
I have a lot of other merch that needs to go up on the online store and it's just not there yet because I'm only one person and I have a bunch of stuff to do. So I'm doing the best I can, but be patient. And whenever something new is added to the store, it gets included in that month's uh, newsletter. So be sure and subscribe to the newsletter. We'll put the subscription situation in the show notes and you can also get there through our link tree, linktr.ee slash goblins and growlers. Um, but yeah, uh, Josh, do you have anything? Uh, I think the only thing you haven't hit already is that if you like talking nerd stuff and you want to talk about more nerd stuff or pop into the GGP channel and tell us about all the ways in which our opinions are wrong, uh, mm-hmm. you can join the conversation on our Discord at bit.ly slash goblin discord. I'm always interested because... in hearing about how my opinion is wrong. <laughs> I have yet to block anyone in our Discord uh, for making me too sad. And, you know, it would be a shame to start that immediately. But I'm I'm willing I'm willing to hear people out, at least initially. Yeah, absolutely. Let's maybe 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 through discussion we'll determine that their opinion was wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a chance to turn the tables. Um, but Through reasoned discourse, we yeah. found that it was, in fact, the children who were wrong. Yes. Don't ask them. Uh, <laughs> trust me on this. Um, so it's about uh, 20 to 11 now, so we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I guess we'll uh, hear from you in two weeks. We don't know what we'll talk about yet, but I'm sure something will manifest. Oh, always. Something always manifests. Yeah. If there's, in fact, if there's something that you would like for us to manifest as a conversation, uh, you know, bit.ly slash goblin discord and let us know. Oh, absolutely. We love we love audience sourced topics because we know you're interested in those. We also love audience sourced topics because it reduces our workload. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll catch everybody in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you.